When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. The Project Upland podcast is brought to you in part by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. Adventure awaits. All right, welcome back. What's up, everyone? Episode 3, Project Upland Podcast. Happy to have you here. If you uh, listened to the first two episodes, hope you've been enjoying them so far. We have received some good feedback on those, so that's always good to hear. But remember that uh, we're just getting this thing started, and uh, including myself as, as a podcast host. So we'll continue to improve this thing as we go. And, and as always, we, we appreciate your feedback your comments, critiques, suggestions, all that stuff is appreciated. And uh, I'd be happy to happy to chat with you guys about, about any ideas that you might have or uh, suggestions for the show. So don't hesitate to reach out to me, look me up, send me a message, all that good stuff. Uh, before we get going with episode three this week, I've got a couple things to touch on. One being that it is uh, October now, I'm going to keep the tradition going, if you can call it a tradition, that I started on uh, the episode two podcast and uh, give you guys a little bit of a hunting report from some of my weekend adventures, as that's when I tend to do most of my hunting. So last weekend was the third weekend of grouse season for me, second weekend of woodcock, if you want to get technical on that. And I hunted my third different area of the west western great lakes states as uh, some of you may know from listening um 
I, I tend to hunt in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Last weekend I was in northern Minnesota and had relatively higher expectations. Uh, it was an area that I've been to quite a bit and we tend to do very well up there. I have mixed feelings coming out of the weekend. Um, I spent three days up there, two and a half, I guess, two and a half, two full days and a half day of hunting. And conditions were, I thought, very good on Friday. It was finally cool. A little change of pace from some of the uh, incredible heat that we've had in the early season here. So the conditions were there on Friday. And we... We used that first day in the woods to sort of explore and try some new spots. And so every spot I hunted on that particular day was new to me. And we did, I don't know, not that well. We didn't move that many girls. We started off the day with a six-mile hike through a piece of cover that I thought looked really good. I still think it looks good, and I'd probably go back there, which at the end of the day is kind of how I'm starting to sort of benchmark and judge these covers you know would you ever go back because it obviously you can it can be hit or miss from one day to the next depending on what the birds are doing that particular day so and i'm not an expert so at the end of the day i just have to sort of chalk it up and say i will return and uh, maybe conditions will be a little bit different next time and i might learn something else but anyways six mile hike we moved we ended up moving seven grouse but it just and it just seemed like seemed like there should have been a lot more activity and uh and all that that kind of set the tone for the rest of the weekend and and then got a little warm on saturday conditions weren't weren't ideal and you know we just struggled to struggle to move grouse struggled to even find woodcock up there but again i will say that we did quite a bit of exploring we hunted a lot of spots that we never had before so sunday rolled around uh pack up day head home day we had you know just the morning to hunt so what do you do in that situation you tend to tend to go back to the well and and hit one of your one of your known covers at least we did and and it was uh it was a really nice morning it was overcast and not real wet in the woods because it had dried out the two days prior but they were predicting rain and sure enough 30 to 45 minutes into our hunt it started raining and fortunately it stayed fairly light for most of the hunt so we we just accepted that we were going to get wet but we pressed on and we spent three hours in the woods and we ended up ultimately we had two dogs down three guys and we moved 16 grouse and 15 woodcock so that was a that was a nice three-hour hunt and it felt like a ton of action relative to the rest of the weekend so needless to say we were very happy about that but it i was a little bit down on things saturday night uh after after two days in the woods but then you go out and you hit a spot just in a slightly different area but not that far away from everything else we hunted and sure enough there's a bunch of birds in there so again the leaves are still way up it's still green even you know we were almost in canada where we were at and it's just been warm and wet and most people know that i've been out in the woods most people know the conditions that we're facing here right now but uh the best is yet to come it's the beginning of october and uh we got a lot of lot of great hunting left so uh with that said i will uh i'll move on from the uh upper midwest 
Grouse and Woodcock report. Uh, I hope that's useful to some of you guys. I, I imagine some of you, it's not really in your wheelhouse, and hopefully you don't get tired of it. But if you do, let me know. Uh, so I'm going to move on to one more thing before we start this week's episode. I'm going to start something that will probably continue. I don't know if it'll be every episode from here on out, but we're going to try to do it uh, on a fairly regular basis. And that is uh, some gear reviews. And essentially, at least in the beginning, I will be touching on a piece of gear, whether it's physical or digital or anything like that. Something that I've been using, something that I have experience with, and something that I can provide a little perspective on to the Project Upland podcast. And the goal of this segment will be to keep it fairly short, like two minutes or less. These are probably oftentimes going to be associated with a a separate post on the projectupland.com blog website. So we'll we'll probably uh, expand on some of this stuff a little bit more in the article. So as far as the podcast format goes, it's going to be short and sweet. I'm going to give you my perspective, my experience, my recommendation, and we'll leave it up to you to do your research, whether it be at Project Upland or elsewhere from that point on. So this first edition of the basic Uplander gear review is going to be kind of a layup this week. I'm going to touch on the subject that is actually our main topic today and our guest is here to discuss it with us and I am referring to Onyx Hunt or Onyx Maps. Some of you may know them as Onyx Maps is a digital mapping application most well known for their ability to provide you the sportsman, sportswoman with land ownership information. Uh, that is one feature of Onyx Hunt, but it is the feature that drew me to it as a grouse hunter. And I really, really enjoy using that interface to scout uh, digitally. And while I'm in the field, when I'm able to use it, uh, I can very easily access land ownership information for a piece of property that I'm looking at or I have looked at, have pre-scouted. And it's just very easy to determine where you can and cannot uh, hunt. So that's what I enjoy most about it. There's a whole suite of other features in there. They've got satellite imagery, GPS tracking, waypoint waypoint mapping, marking. They've got a, a PC format where when you subscribe to their application, you'll have access to it on your mobile phone and also on your PC. So it's nice to be able to access it in different spots and your account will sync up. So anything you do on your computer will show up on your phone and vice versa, all that good stuff. So really easy to use, very user-friendly. I love it. And you're going to learn a lot more about it on today's episode. So I hope you hope you enjoy the interview today. And I encourage you to check out Onyx Hunt for sure. So that's the end of my gear review for the Basic Uplander. With that said, we're going to move into the main feature of today's show where I interview a really cool guy, works for Onyx Hunt, Onyx Maps. 
His name is Matt Seidel, and he's the product manager for Onyx Maps. So Matt and I had a great conversation. We talk about all kinds of neat stuff about bird hunting and, and of course, Onyx Maps and what it can do for you, but not only that, how to use it and how it can benefit your hunt. So hope you enjoy the interview, and let's welcome Matt to the show. All right. Welcome to the show, Matt. How are you? Good, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're happy to happy to have you here, uh, Matt Seidel, and your your title is product manager at Onyx Hunt. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah, here in Missoula, Montana. So, Missoula, Montana. So, is that the headquarters of Onyx? It is the official headquarters. Um, official first headquarters, I guess. We do have a new office in Bozeman, Montana okay. now. So uh, we have kind of two offices in Montana spanning across the state there. So cool. Um, how long have you how long have you been product manager? And then maybe with that answer, kind of give us give us a, your background on how you wound up how you wound up in that position. Yeah, so I guess officially product manager um, for about the last year and a half to two years here at Onyx and. Uh, but I've been with Onyx pretty much since the beginning, since uh, January 1st of 2011. So came on and uh, started working with Eric Siegfried, our founder, um, that year when he needed some help. And uh, initially, you know, it was just two or three, uh, two or three of us working kind of out of our houses. And um, you know, we kind of all did customer service and answering calls all day and emails and getting orders out and and working on the website and doing a little bit of everything and uh over the years i kind of evolved um to be the marketing director uh for a couple years and then we identified we kind of wanted more of an overall emphasis on the product in general spanning from what maps we're making to dealing with engineering teams to marketing and sales and so i kind of coordinate efforts um, by all those teams and kind of kind of help steer everybody in the in the right direction very cool very cool What um, sort of sort of leading into a little bit more of the history of Onyx Maps because I'm or Onyx Onyx would be the company right and I always want to say Onyx Maps but then you've got you've got Onyx Hunt and you've got various products. Right. Yep. Yeah. So Onyx. All right. So so yeah, I'm I'm familiar with with your you guys and what you do mainly because i started using it last hunting season so i've got a little bit of a little bit of experience with it but for the listeners um give us a give us a high level onyx and you know kind of your mission vision what you guys are what you guys are doing for for people that enjoy the outdoors perfect yeah so you know our mission is to know where you stand and uh I think that mission started, uh, you know, back in 2009 when Eric first made uh, the first map. And what it was was uh, basically a land ownership map for the state of Montana, and he got it to load on his Garmin GPS for his personal use. Uh, The hunter, you know, growing up a hunter and everything he wanted. Finally, when he moved to Missoula from eastern Montana, he couldn't figure out where to hunt, um, you know, in the mountains and where the property lines were. And so the real mission is, we always had these paper maps and, and and these other resources, but when you're in the field, like seeing your location on top of that parcel or that public property and knowing that you can or can't hunt it or where the fence is was really the founding idea for Onyx. Um, and it's just been a tremendous tool. So as we've gone from being a GPS chip 
company the first couple of years, and that's still a huge product line for us that sells, um, you know, through Cabela's and Bass Pro and Sportsman's Warehouse, Shields, um, and some other places. Um, and as we migrated to being more of an app product as well, so you can now view the maps on your mobile phone with the Hunt app. Uh, it's just really opened up the possibilities for hunters and access, and uh, we're just really proud of giving this information to people and uh, letting them enjoy their days in the field without uh, all that stress of knowing where they're at. Cool. Yeah, I think you touched on something for me that that I'm glad that that's sort of where you guys focus is because that's something that I've really enjoyed and I've been I've been using it. You know, even before Onyx, I just using Google Maps and stuff like that and being able to track, you know, see my location on a piece of imagery as I'm moving through, you know, a cover or something that I'm hunting has really, it's really changed the way that I hunt. Um, you know, you can just sort of, you can make a little bit more of a real-time decision uh, as far as, you know, if you, you see a piece of cover ahead and, or maybe you see something that doesn't look good, but then you can then you can look at the map and you can see. Well, you know, if I just push through that, and yep. I can tell I can tell how far away I am. If I just push through that, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be into some better better cover for birds or whatever it is that I'm doing. So yeah, I think that's that's one of the parts that I've really enjoyed about it. And and then when you add the the layer of you know the land ownership information, obviously you bring in to play the the benefit of knowing that hey i'm on this piece of state land or public access land and and the you know this guy's border is right here and all i have to do is is stay on this side of it and we're good and so that's that gives peace of mind as well as a as a hunter or anybody outdoors i think really yeah that's a really good tip with the aerial imagery um even out here in montana doing a lot of pheasant and sharp killing hunt hunting you got vast amounts of property, right? And so you try or uh, public land, and you can walk for miles and miles. So you're really trying to maximize where you think those birds will be in the cover. And sometimes, you know, you look and you're like, oh, it's a half mile hike over there. I don't think there's anything over there. But if you can look over the hill with the aerial imagery, like you were mentioning it here that there's a pond, maybe some pheasants are there, or you know, coolly with some good cover for some huns or sharp tails that uh, it can make you go that little extra mile that other people might not go and get into some birds. So. That's something I use it a lot for here. Yeah, very cool. So, so, uh, so, do you? I can I can tell you're a hunter just because I can see your avatar on Skype. You're wearing camo and checking a trail cam. What uh, what kind of things do you hunt out there? Do you hunt some upland birds and some other stuff too? Yeah, I mean my my passion, and I you know haven't had maybe as much time as I wanted the last couple of years drawing all these big game tags that are out here in the West. But my passion is waterfowl hunting. Okay. Um, you know, kind of tied to that is is the pheasant sharp tail huns that we have here in Montana as a close second. So I'm pa- I've been packing up the last couple of nights, so I'm leaving Friday. I'll be gone for four days, um, sharp tail and hun hunting, and then we also have the duck opener this weekend. So I'll be doing a little bit of duck hunting on some of the potholes. Nothing big, but it'll just be me and the dog. And so I'm excited to have four days to just go straight bird hunt and uh, and explore so i've got a whole bunch of stuff marked out on the map um and i'm excited yeah awesome so yeah that's uh i'm right there with you i'm i'm uh, as soon as we finish up this podcast i'm going to be going through my gear a little bit packing up uh packing up things in the garage and tomorrow i'm heading up to northern minnesota for three days of uh, carlson woodcock hunting so our season's just kind of getting underway here and the first yeah. two weekends have been 
incredibly way too hot and crazy, but my friends and I have we've been out there trooping through the cover when we can. You know, you gotta you gotta watch it when you have that heat and you got dogs out there. You gotta be careful, but we have been and we've been enjoying it. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll be uh, awesome. I'll be out there hunting this weekend. Uh, you mentioned right at the end there you when you're preparing for a trip, you've got spots uh, marked, yep. which is something yep. that I do a lot of. Talk a little bit about how you're using uh, whatever, you know, whether it's Onyx or even other tools, what, what you got, what you're using to, to prepare and scout for a hunt. Yeah, so this hunt, um, maybe for this hunt is a good example, but I'm going, uh, you know, mostly for waterfowl. And so I, uh, with our product or, you know, any other thing on your computer, you can, you know, pull up the aerial imagery and start scouting. Right, so whether Google Earth or uh, you can go to our web map that comes yep. with your app. And so I usually use the web map because I can then see the property ownership and everything. So on this hunt, I'm hunting a lot of BLM land, uh, state land, which we have all of that marked, and then also block management areas. And all of the block management areas I'm looking at are the type one, walk-in ones, and so we have those labeled on our map in Montana too. And what I can do is on my web map, I can just mark a waypoint on each pond that I want to check out. And that waypoint will then automatically sync to my phone. So when I'm out there, I already have all of my spots on my phone, on my GPS, which I'm using. And so that's something that's been really nice to use the last two years is just scouting at home, marking all my waypoints, everything I want to check out when I'm in there. And then when I'm out there, I can just pull up my phone and all that data has already been synced over to my phone in the app for me. Uh, that's that's going to be really useful this weekend because I got a lot of ponds I want to check out and hike. And so as I'm hiking into ponds and checking them out, I'll be then you know looking for the paths and the cover where the sharp tail and huns are as well, and, and hitting that up. Excellent. Yeah, two things there. I 100% agree. I love the I love the Onyx um, web map. Super easy to use, and you know it's as as easy as it is as it is to use on the mobile phone. Sometimes you know when you're doing some hardcore scouting, you got to get it up on the big screen, and and uh, it's really easy to click on and off the layers. And kind of maybe you can speak to this too. One of the things that that I have done, and what I kind of what is really nice about it is that you have all of the layers on there for the state state forest, you know, county land, federal forest, but I I will just sort of as a as a grouse hunter in Minnesota, we hunt a lot of public land, so I'm and so I'm looking at I just look for those big big tracts of state forest or federal forest yep. which are really easy to find cuz you have them shaded mm-hmm. uh you know, you got them shaded different colors and you can pop on and pop off layers to to whatever it is you want to look at and I find that an incredibly easy way to sort of explore the land or wherever I'm heading. And then, yeah, again, you, you talk about you drop those waypoints on the web app. It's really easy to do. Then you get out of the field, they're already there. So you're not you're not transferring things or marking things twice. And that's, I find that incredibly yeah. beneficial. That's kind of some of the power, power of the, you know, new technology and, and cloud, cloud syncs and all that stuff that we're, we're taking advantage of. So just all that work. And then, you know, it works vice versa too. So when you're out in the field um, and you did your track of where you hunted all day and you, or you made some new waypoints and when you go back on Monday or Tuesday at the office and you're, we want to pull that up and look at it on web map, all that data has synced from your field trip back to your computer. So when you're scouting for the next weekend, you already have all that information on there again from your previous hunts. So you can just keep dialing in where you want to go. So yeah, super useful tool. 
Yeah, that's 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 a good point as well too. Because I I've been talking a lot about the about you know virtual scouting and and it, a lot of it was before the hunting season, before I was spending you know every weekend in the field. But yeah. it's we have that opportunity when when you can't be in the woods, you can you could at least be poking around uh, the satellite imagery and kind of looking for spots. And people are were quick to remind me that there's there's no. You know, nothing can replace boots on the ground or tires on the road driving around. And, and while I fully agree with that, yep. uh, you know, virtual scouting is just another tool in the bag that I like to use and implement. But to that end, uh, when you are out there in the woods and you stumble across a spot that you didn't happen to catch during your virtual scouting sessions, yeah, pop that waypoint in. And then when you get back to get back home at the end of the weekend or whatever, back to your desk, you can check it out and sort of, sort of, gain that aerial perspective and look at things a little yep. bit differently so yeah it's a the combination approach of of using both of those methods is is i have found it to be very effective and i'm i'm guessing you have as well yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun and so you know and the boots on the ground is a great point like you should definitely be out there and scouting because um you know in this case i don't know which ponds might be dry um i don't know which you know pastures the ranchers have moved cows into and they might have grazed all the cover off for the sharp hills or huns and so they're definitely you know you know you're not going to know everything from the aerial imagery and scouting at home but but you can put yourself in some pretty good situations and and uh and kind of have some good options you know instead of uh kind of going in blind yeah cool so all right so i, I think we we kind of touched on onyx at a high level um so I want to make sure we cover everything that that you provide. You know, we have mm-hmm. the so you have the app on the phone, which is a, it's a subscription service, and then yep. that that is you gain act. You typically sell it, you know, by state. So mm-hmm. you sign up for your state, and then you've got access to all the land ownership information, basically everything, all the information for that particular state on your phone, and then on your desktop with that with that web app. Correct. Yeah. So it's just uh, you know a subscription yearly subscription, uh, and for uh, one state, um, or you can do elite for all fifty states if if you're a traveling hunter. But with that subscription, you can it's basically a login. So you can log in on any phone. You can log in on your iPad or your tablet. You can log in on your desktop computer at work or your laptop at home. So you know it's basically a login, and then you have access to all of your information um, stored right there for you. And you can turn on your layers for your state, different topo maps. We have you know the topo map. Uh, we have aerial imagery. We have a hybrid base map which has the aerial imagery um, with topo lines on top of it. So it kind of gives you a 3D view in 2D. Um, and yeah, just lots of other tools there. So you gotta access it on on any device that you have. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really what I've been using. So I am familiar with that. Um, Mm -hmm. I, and the, just for, for, for the listeners, the elite, you know, again, if you are a traveling wing shooter, the elite subscription is roughly the price of like three States or something, I think. So if you were a hundred bucks. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So I know last year in particular, I actually hunted, upland birds in four different states and so i i wound up with the elite and and i had it everywhere i went so that was pretty cool um and it's just a just a nice option but there are a lot of people that you know in this upland hunting thing a lot of people they go on big trips and and they're hunting different states and i got a buddy of mine that i was at his camp in minnesota last weekend and he's uh 
he'll be hunting Minnesota. He's coming to my camp in Wisconsin, and he's going out to Montana real soon. He's pretty pumped nice. for that. They're gonna they're gonna do some sharp tails and all that good stuff. So he's uh, he's an Onyx user, and uh, I know he's been using it to his advantage. So that's uh, yeah, it's great service. So beyond the sort of the app and the web app. You mentioned you mentioned the GPS chips. What yep. other, you know, what other avenues do people have to sort of to sort of implement this information into their hunting? Yeah, good question. So yeah, we started with our GPS chip, um, which goes into Garmin GPSs, and that is a really popular product. You know, started you know with the Western market, you know, in 2009, 10, 11, and and just kind of grew from there. I think we have 38 states covered uh, that we have chips for right now. And so for dog hunters, I, you know, I've run some of the Astros and, and other Garmin collars, and so you can plug that chip right into uh, right into your GPS and be able to see where your dogs are at, and then all the property ownership. I know, you know, all the walk-in access, you know, in Kansas and the plots in North Dakota and walk-in areas in South Dakota and BMAs in Montana. We have all those different private um, properties that are open for hunting, and we update that on the on the chip every year as well as the land ownership and the state areas, you know, the wildlife refuges, waterfowl production areas, lots of really great uh, layers and types of property that hold birds for bird hunters. So that's, that's something I, you know, I used and still use a lot when I'm out, uh, out bird hunting. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the, well, Actually, before I get get too far ahead mm-hmm. of myself, anything else? Did we miss anything? You got the chips, you've got the apps. Did we miss any other? You chips don't and have, like, You don't have printed books or anything, do you? No, no. Okay. One thing is, uh, a lot of people ask, like, how do you update your chip? And so we do offer uh, updates, you know, for those GPS chips every year, and uh, those just now come free with your um, premium or elite um, subscription membership. So now everything is kind of one package so if you have that one state membership for your app then you can update your chips uh, with that for free and if you have the elite membership you can update all your state chips for free so we just kind of rolled that product Uh, for those familiar with our old process um, the updates used to be thirty dollars and that and the app used to be thirty dollars and we just kind of rolled those into one complete membership for thirty dollars okay cool yeah that makes sense That's uh, that's that's a decent segue into. I wanted to talk about a little bit about the um, in information that mm-hmm. that you have. I mean, you're you're obviously compiling a ton of information, and you have to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you have to go down to the the sort of the municipality level. You know, be it the counties or however other states do it. I know it's mainly the counties around here. I mean, that's that's a lot of information to keep track of and to update. I will say mm-hmm. that. That from my perspective and my use of the app, I have I have run into zero issues. Um, it's everything seems to be very updated. And, and the one sort of anecdotal check that I did was my uh, my my family bought a bought a cabin in Wisconsin uh, about a year ago, and so mm-hmm. I was I was poking around on there, and I saw that yep, it was updated. So so yep. whatever uh, whatever. <laughs> Whoever's talking to the counties in Wisconsin has that all figured out. So how do you, how do you keep up with all that? And you know, you mentioned I assume it's probably a sort yeah. of a yearly, a yearly update thing. But talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a, 
it's a pretty involved process, and so we have about 16 people on staff that work on that project, um, and they do do a lot of just going direct to the counties and trying to gather that information. Um, sometimes the counties don't give it to us, so there might be some counties here and there that are that are gone. Uh, sometimes their digital records they give us um, might not be as up to date, like as the sales records, so we're dependent on their update cycle every year or two for them to update their digital records. But in general, there's, I don't know, 10 million parcels or something across the U.S. that we manage. And, uh, you know, we try to keep those every year as accurate as we can. And so it's a huge, huge database and a, a big project for us. And so um, something we're super passionate about as hunters is keeping that up as up to date as possible. And, uh, and every month we're making improvements in our process and how we acquire the data and how we process it. So it, it's definitely been evolving and, uh, we've got some big ideas uh, coming in 2018 to, to make it even faster for updating with the, with the county records. So we're excited about that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's really what I was getting at is, and you hit on it. It's, I mean, you're, with this sort of a product, you're you're you could be limited by your inputs. You know, your mm-hmm. your, your yep. data can only your data can only be as good as as what you get well, from yeah. from the municipalities. But I, I mean, with that said, the legwork is done. I mean, I, I pull up Onyx Maps and and yep. I, I zoom in and and it's got you know the information is there. Be it you yep. know, if I'm especially if I'm looking at that public land and you know you just you don't run into a lot of holes or or any in the maps that that I can even notice. I mean, you might be able to point something out to me, but yeah, I, uh, I haven't found any any problems with it, and it's it's just so slick. The other thing that I really like about it is I have county plat books. Being a grouse hunter, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's sort of what we used to rely on. But and it's one thing to it's one thing to sort of flip through a book, and then I would you know I would flip through the plat book, and I would have my my phone or tablet next to me with yep. with Google Maps open and I'd be looking there but to to be able to just pull up Onyx and have that have that information load on the map as you scroll around I mean it eliminates a step it sounds like not a big mm-hmm. deal just flipping through a book but it it really <laughs> makes it so much smoother to be able yeah. to 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 get that information and to look at follow the lines of the property and and it just it makes makes doing that stuff a lot easier having the, yeah. the information overlaid right on the map like that how often do they update those plat maps i know each county is probably different but kind of yeah that it is it is each county's different i know i'm in st louis county in minnesota mm-hmm. and it's they're on well first of all they have two plat books they have one for northern northern st louis county and one for southern okay. st louis county and so the way i look at that is it's got to be 40 bucks a pop for each one of those so for less oh, okay. than, le- less than half oh. of one county i can get i can get the entire state of minnesota with state of minnesota. So, yeah so my decision was made a long time ago on that but yeah. I, and i still think they're on probably uh you know, for the printed books, it's got to be a three to four year cycle at least. I would think so. That's probably a lot of work for them, yeah. And to make it worthwhile to uh, have enough changes to uh, to want to print another version and, and people to pay. But yeah, so we, you know, in, uh, going to going to each county, we we don't get that information for free. So we have to, you know, pay whatever the county fee is, and it can be quite substantial. Certainly. But uh, but we make that investment. Um, you know, and, and purchase that data every year from those counties, and then you know incorporate it 
into the product. So it definitely costs us money quite a bit every year to, you know, acquire that data and keep it and keep it updated. So there's definitely a lot of overhead for us on, on getting that data, and, uh, and we're happy to do it because it, it makes a really good product. Um, yeah. And there's also, um, you know, talking about the public land in each county, I think there's like 985 million acres of public land in the U.S., and uh, we have our data set for public land as, as well, right? And uh, there's some there's some federal data sets out there. You can kind of get an idea, and some people plug some federal data sets into Google Earth and do some stuff, and it has some value. But one thing we found is that there is, you know, 985 million acres of public land, I, I think I mentioned, and there's millions of acres of errors in those federal data sets that we have found and, correct, and corrected over the last nine years, and we don't then go back and, and have them fix, you know, their data set. But we kind of have a lot of that internal knowledge about where those errors are, and uh, and those are all in our product. And with, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers over the years giving us feedback as well, we've relied on our customers, like, to point out a lot of those errors because we can't go ground truth, you know, every piece of property out there. So one nice thing is, you know, with the amount of customers we have is there's really no other data set that has had as many error corrections or fixes as, uh, as the Onyx system has had, and we're continually updating those, you know, every day as, as customers point out stuff. So there's a lot of uh, user-generated content and, and, and error fixes in there, which is which is great. We like we don't want to have errors, but with, when you're dealing with, you know, 10 million parcels and almost, you know, almost 1,000 million acres of public land, that uh, there's always going to be one or two things that, that come up. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point. And I, you know, you're essentially you're kind of crowdsourcing the uh, the refinement of these maps. And yeah, I guess the the point that I would take away from that is, I'm I'm in a community here of of people that are using this information in the same way that I am. And over time, they're they're sending the fixes to you guys. So you're gonna have yep. you're gonna have the most refined data out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there yep. are there are other ways. To get a lot of this information, some of it's free. You know, I can go on yep. St. Louis County and I can get I can get some of this information from St. Louis County. But I much prefer yeah. I much prefer the interface of Onyx and and some of the other. You know, the, the data looks a lot better to me, and and the the things that I'm concerned about as a as a hunter are highlighted in a way that you're just not going to find anywhere anywhere else. So yeah, that's what I like about it. That's that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I wanted to ask you. you know, we touched we touched on bird hunting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that the way that I use Onyx for the most part, I am I'm using it for the land ownership information, a little bit of sat- satellite imagery. I mix I mix that in with some other other sources, um, and then I will use the waypoints. But what am I what am I missing? You know, what am I just sort of skimming the surface of? What else What else is there that that you know, what are some of your favorite features and sort of the maybe the things that aren't as obvious to me and other listeners? Yeah, I think we have um, some kind of hidden layers in there under your state layers, um, depending on what state you're in. But uh, we do have, like in Montana, all the uh, like habitat um, access improvement sites for upland game birds. And so those can be pretty popular um, for you know, knowing where habitat improvement has been done. And stuff like that, and uh, you know, and then all those private walk-in areas for the for the western hunter and kind of the the, the Midwest um, where you have the private walk-in access programs. Um, that's kind of a hidden layer 
too, that, uh, that not a lot of people know about that, that we provide an update every year. Um, and I think, you know, using, depending on the time of the year, um, water sources can be a, a big deal at times, um, or like knowing cover. I like to hunt a lot of cattails, so, which are tough to hunt, um, early in the season. Well, they're, they're okay to hunt for pheasant maybe the first week because they're not as smart. Um, but a little bit later they get pretty spooky, um, and yeah. you're hunting in the water and it's a little messy. And so one good trick, um, if you're in country with cattails is kind of mark those spots. Wait till it freezes and then those ponds are frozen and, uh, and you can go back and uh, the dogs can get in easier and work a little better. And, uh, and, uh, those birds will go into the cattails that were, were actually, you know, in one or two feet of water. So they'll get back into those cattails that now are, are kind of fresh and providing better cover, especially with the snow and, and the cold weather. So that's one thing here in eastern Montana that we like to hit a lot of, you know, in December um, is the cattails. Sure. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, what uh, One thing that I noticed that somebody who signs up for Onyx today might not notice is that you recently sort of made over the entire app. The app app looks different, feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about that. The I mean, it's obviously it's better now, and that was I'm sure that was your goal. But yeah. what uh, what kind of what was involved with that update and and the new look to it? Yeah, you know, with technology, everything is moving so fast, as we all know, with phones and and uh, and speed and everything. So we launched the app in 2013, and it's you know it was on one platform that was you know pretty good at that time you know serving maps and, and doing stuff like that and uh, as we built a team and and uh, knew we wanted to make a pivot and, uh, and implement some new technology on how we deliver the maps server wise to just have a little bit more faster speed and and a little you know better uptime and as you're panning have everything be faster you kind of have to make those big overhauls so we undertook a nine-month project and, uh, and brought on a whole bunch of new employees to help with that rebuild and uh, launched that in August, and uh, I think it's been great. I think the biggest feature is just being able to save maps for those uh, users that are going offline. Um, so you're still going to have your GPS position, even if you don't have cell service, but now you can quickly save larger areas of the map uh, and have those saved right on your phone for when you're out of cell service, and you probably have some experience uh with that uh, in some of the places you hunt maybe up north there nick absolutely yeah you keep uh you keep giving me these perfect segues because that was that was going to be my next question the uh the offline mode is mm-hmm. of great uh interest to me because again as you mentioned yeah northern minnesota cell coverage is is quite limited yeah. and no- yep. northern wisconsin too i mean mm-hmm. really the i get out in the areas that I want to be, cell coverage is very limited. And even if you have it, it's tough to load up maps and stuff. So yep. the offline mode, yeah, it's it's a little bit different. On the old app, it was kind of like it was uh, how you were selecting tiles, at, yeah. at like a low res and a high res. Yep. And now, now you're just sort of grabbing an area. Why, why don't, before I add my interpretation on there, why don't you yep. tell me a little bit about the offline mode and sort of how you guys want it to work? Yeah, so um, right now how it works is there's kind of three settings. There's a, a five-mile grid, a box, a 10-mile box, and a 100-mile and a box. So, you know, with 
with a 10 mile box, you know, 10 by 10. So you're, you're saving a hundred mile area. So pretty big area that you can save with one click of a button. But as you save maps, um, and as you zoom in, there's just different memory constrictions, different resolutions. So if you want really high resolution of that aerial imagery, that's a bigger file to save. And so that's going to be your five mile box that you can save the really high aerial imagery. And with the way the servers talk back and forth, like if we tried to save a high resolution aerial imagery, um, like a hundred mile box, the phones would just time out and, you know, with, with, servers and everything stuff would just time out you'd be sitting there for an hour waiting for your map and something would the phone would go to sleep for some weird reason and your map would time out and so just as a as a way to give everybody a, a good experience we've kind of set these limits right now and um, you know i can go in and save you know you know five ten mile maps right next to each other and that pretty much covered my whole hunting area for for this weekend and it you know took me like five minutes and i have you know pretty high resolution maps so just a lot better experience and uh we're still you know have some great ideas for improving that and uh but it works really good this year we've had some great feedback uh from from uh, our elk hunters so far this september that have been hitting the all the rocky mountains and, and getting after it on their pack in hunts cool yeah that's uh I, I used it uh i think a couple weekends ago i only i only I did it one time, and I did the largest box just because yep. I wanted to see what I wanted to see what that would do. And I think it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was either 100 miles or 150 miles. I think it's 150 on on your yeah, iPhone. Yeah, yeah, it's 150, and I, I basically saved because I will hunt anywhere from you know, I don't know Hayward, Wisconsin, basically mm-hmm. north to the Canadian border, and uh, so I, I was able to save that entire box at a very low res i'm not trying to set false expectations or anything but it's an it's enough where if i have a question on whether or not i'm looking at a piece of private or public land i can i can determine from that from from that map like i can see where where i'm at relative to the they're essentially just orange outlines like you're not going to get landowner names or any of that stuff that's going to load in at a higher zoom level but i can clearly see Yep, that section to the west is shaded public, state forest, federal forest, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And just to my east here, I've got looks like a couple 40s or maybe a you know a 160 of private land, and that was enough. That's been enough for me the last couple weekends to sort of make some determinations in the field. So that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, and even you know I think one of the tips I I do and recommend is um I just go in quickly and save all the I save like my whole state for the hundred and. 100, 100, 150 if you're on iPhone maps. So like in six clicks of a button, I can save like the whole state of Montana um, at the low res. And then each week or month as I'm doing different hunts, I'll go in and save those five or 10 mile really high res areas just for where I'm going that weekend and, and have those ready to go ahead of time. So that's kind of one of the one of the tips to give to the users there. Yeah, that's 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 where that's my next step that I've got to do is um it's it's hard because you I want to I you got to you got to pick where you're going to go but again we're talking about yeah. you know we're talking about mile mile you know miles wide blocks here so it's not like yeah. you're you're just picking a 40 acre patch or something so yeah I've got I'm heading up to northern Minnesota this weekend and I've got uh, got a bunch of spots marked that I want to check out so I will be before I leave tomorrow night I will be loading up 
Onyx and and saving some smaller blocks where I have yep. some you know high density of uh, waypoints at cuts I'm looking at or whatever. Perfect. That kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's really 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 nice. And the one, you mentioned it, but I want to hit on it again because I think this kind of a lot of people they either don't understand it or it sort of goes over the heads and they don't realize they can do it. But your phone's GPS will work even when you don't have cell service. And with the yep. advent with the advent of something like the Onyx offline mode where you load up the imagery beforehand, you're not gonna be able to load anything when you're in the field and you don't have cell service. That's I think mm-hmm. that's pretty straightforward for most people. Yep. But if you do a little preparation, a little pre planning and you load these maps ahead of time, you can your phone's GPS will work when you don't have cell service and you can see your location on those maps that you loaded and it's I mean, it, it works so well for my friends and I. And we figured it out for grouse hunting in, in, in some of these remote areas where we just don't mm-hmm. have the service. I mean, it's, it's sort of, like I said, it kind of changed the way we hunt. We have a different confidence level in, yep. in what we're doing out there and what we're looking at because we can quickly reference that aerial view and then sort of obviously look up from our phones and, and take in the surroundings, but you just, you really get a better understanding and, and the ability to, to track your location like that out of cell services. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah. All of those new phones have, you know, built in, basically every phone now has built in GPS to talk to, talks to the GPS satellites. So talks to the same satellites that your Garmin or your Magellan or, or your spot or whatever you're using talks to. So it's talking to those exact same GPSs and, almost just as darn accurate um, now. I was reading an article um, following the tech, and they have some new GPS receivers that will be in new phones in 2018 that will be giving about one-foot accuracy. So it'll be actually... Wow. You're going GPS is around 10-foot accuracy. Um, so these new phones coming out in 2018, 19, will actually have you know a lot better accuracy. Uh, it's pretty amazing uh, what they're doing. So... It's just a matter of time of getting those GPS receivers small enough and, and not to use, you know, your battery and suck it down in an hour. So so with improvements there they're really they're really expanding on that. And a lot of that's because, you know, there's other drivers in that market in the GPS market for your phone, obviously, you know, Google and Apple and everybody wants to track your position in the city a little bit better and when you're inside buildings or the mall and, and see where you're at. So uh, there's there's this move to, to really have the better and obviously, when you're using Google Maps for travel, so there's all these motives to have a, a better GPS receiver in your phone as well. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that, that was kind of I was sort of thinking that as well that when you know different stores or whatever want want your location and in a tight mm-hmm. tight tight area, urban city, you can see where. Yep. You know, you're talking ten feet. I mean, ten feet's pretty good for me out in the out in the grouse cover. I I can tell if I'm either in the swamp or not in the swamp. Yep. But but when you're talking about walking down a crowded city street, you can see where where that uh, ten feet would make a huge difference. But yep. that's that's yeah. a good thing for yeah. us because it's it's going to improve the technology for us as sportsmen and women. So yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for those, and and they're more powerful too. So they're they'll be able to just for people in general. Like if you're in the city, you're going to start getting better location, and if you're in the trees or in a canyon. Or somewhere uh, where you don't have as good a line of sight to the uh, to the sky, you'll you'll be getting better signals on your phone in, in the next versions in the coming years. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense too. Um, let's. I mean, this. I don't. 
I don't really have any issues with this because I've sort of figured my way around it. But talk a little bit about about battery life and you know when we're when we're doing the mm-hmm. online mode because the, the big thing always was if you had if your phone was searching for cell service and you, yeah and so you're you're in a remote area your phone is searching for cell service you have the GPS is working but your battery yeah. is getting drained super right. fast because it's that searching for cell service really drains the battery so when when you're out there are you running in airplane mode and then the GPS is still functioning technically Correct, yeah. So you'll go into the app and go to the offline area and hit go offline, and that'll turn on the maps you saved, and it's basically identical. It's like an identical experience to being online. The maps are identical. You can turn the layers on or off identically, change the transparency. So it's basically like an online experience, but good mention there is you do want to go in and turn your phone into airplane mode, and that will drastically save your battery life by, like, 50 to 80, 90 percent, just depending on how how much your phone is going to be pinging those cell towers trying to get, trying to find service. So by turning that off, you can just really save your battery life, and it can last, you know, a day or two or, you know, three days of even in the backcountry if I'm, if I'm going for elk or something, that battery could last me, you know, three days. Um... Other tips are, you know, I have a battery case on my phone, you know, a small, lightweight battery case. They'll get me, like, one-and-a-half chargers, one-and-a-half charges or so. And then we have a lot of guys that will carry, you know, a Mophie or a dark energy charger or something like that in their backpack and and get another two or three charges out of a solar charger or a battery pack like that as well. So definitely options, um, options for you to keep your phone charged. But that airplane mode will definitely save save your day if if you do that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really the huge part, and it's that's actually kind of funny because for some reason I was under the false impression mm-hmm. up until very very recently uh, a friend of mine corrected me on it, even though okay. I had been using the technology. But I thought that when I was in airplane mode, my GPS was turned off, so I was always I was always going into airplane mode, and then when I wanted to check my position, I'd mm-hmm. pull up my phone, and I never noticed that my <laughs> position updated, so I, I was quickly turning airplane yep. mode back off and so I thought, oh yeah. there yeah it's it's pinging <laughs> and it's getting my location but he uh buddy of mine corrected me and told me that no it, it will it will grab your location even when you're in airplane mode so then that's yep. like that's like huge sigh of relief because yeah what like you said when you're in airplane mode your battery will last forever i mean long yep. enough for any of my any of my grouse hunting outings for sure and then if you're you know if you're going camping or backpacking or whatever yeah you definitely uh yep. you'll be in good shape if you're in airplane mode for sure yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, if you're actively opening the phone and using the app a lot, I mean, that'll drain your battery a little faster. If you just kind yeah. of have the app in the background, it won't. If you have a track, if you like tracking your location on the map, if you have a track turned on, that'll use a little bit more battery than, sure. than not. But, you know, over like a four or five hour hike I did the other weekend and I was tracking myself the whole time, I think I went from 90% battery to 70% battery. And I was using that pretty much the whole time because I was pulling trail cameras and, 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 uh, and marking my uh, my tracks and locations. So that was with pretty active use for, you know, four or five hours. It, it only drained it about 20%. So, Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good point as well. I, I know, I mean, I, I'm on, I'm, I'm probably in that, you know, one to one to three hour, Hunt range mm-hmm. is is what I what I normally do. So I mm-hmm. like I said, I don't run into too many battery issues, and I always recharge when I get in the truck. But yep. you mentioned the track. I do use Onyx uh, 
I, as long as I can remember, I'm getting pretty good at it now, but I, I track the miles that I walk um, yep. using okay. Onyx. And I could do the same thing probably on my Garmin Alpha too, but I, uh, yep. mm-hmm. I just prefer to use the Onyx app to do it. And I track my the miles that I'm walking just because I like to uh, – I keep statistics on, on my bird hunting, and I like to – track how many flushes i'm getting per hour and then nice. and then per, yeah. per mile and and uh, it's just i've kind of found it fun over the last couple of years to look back at the end of the season nice. and see that i walked this many miles and flushed this many birds and that sort of thing so yeah that's a another feature that that i've been using with onyx and really enjoying that too so what's kind of the average uh the average on a good year or a, or a bad year for flushes per mile what have you found out you know I actually, last year was the first year that I did that calculation, and mm-hmm. I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. I might be able to slyly uh, pull it up <laughs> on my computer as we right. as we keep talking here. But, um, yeah. Well, hopefully you're what, getting one or two per mile, so. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're, definitely, uh, we're definitely in good shape on that end. Uh, the number that I really pay attention to, just as a bird hunter, is, is flushes mm-hmm. per hour, and yep. then I will... I split that out into, you know, I, I pretty much yep. only hunt grouse and woodcock, so that takes up most of my mm-hmm. time. But um, that's only because I haven't uh, come out your way yet and experienced yeah. some of that awesome bird hunting you have out yeah. west. We have a lot of variety, and there's some really great grouse hunting here, too. Um, it, it's a lot of fun here for rough grouse and blue grouse and spruce grouse. Um, and I'm sure it's the same there, but uh, for every flush, you know, for every, like, five or six flushes you might get one shot off so it's uh it can still be some pretty thick and steep country here so they kind of pitch off and go behind trees and i'm sure the same thing you're dealing with with uh, all the stuff i've read about hunting back there yeah for sure that's there's a long running joke that that grouse hunters pretty much you know they count flushes they don't count birds yeah. in the bag <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, i guess the same thing applies out there too it, so. it definitely does and uh yeah that's fun how is the bird numbers looking this year for you? You know, it's. Uh, I'm glad you asked. Um, I can speak anecdotally. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a quite a high expectation this year because the drumming counts were up. That's what I read. These, yeah, I read. Yeah, that. the spring drumming counts. So if you read that, Minnesota was up. I mean, there was like historic jumps on certain routes yeah. of the drumming survey that they do, and so the overall number was 57 percent, which. I'm, you know, I'm not, I haven't been hunting grouse for 40 years, but I've been hunting grouse mm-hmm. for 20 years, and I've been paying attention to those surveys for, mm-hmm. for quite a while. I don't ever recall seeing a 57% jump. Um, and it's, you know, it was somewhat to be expected, not to that extent, but we are nearing the end of the decade, which is typically when we hit our 10-year high for the grouse cycle. Okay. Um, so with that said, I've been out both weekends I've hunted Wisconsin. I've hunted Wisconsin and Minnesota, and I have had a little trouble finding grouse. Now that could be super hit and miss early season yep. because conditions are questionable. The foliage is thick. The birds are not uh, shuffling, if you will, mm-hmm. as sort of the term that most people use. Uh, they're not spreading out, and they're not everywhere. So they're—I don't know. There, there no. was a there was some concern from people that I talked to about the rains that we got this year and and the thing the point that I want to make because it's always it's this is a this is a bigger issue with the with the drumming counts in Minnesota and Wisconsin and you know mm-hmm. the states that do it is drumming counts represent the survey on 
the adult survival adult. from the previous winter, yep. right? So they're so you're surveying the birds that made it through the winter, and you know, in theory, you have more adult birds, you should have more chicks. Mm-hmm. But what what the survey doesn't take into consideration is brood survival and yep. chick survival throughout the summer. Yep. Yeah, and so it sounds like you're familiar with it for sure, but I think yep. it's a good point to make because a lot of people, they they sort of, you hear about sort of fair weather fans or fair weather grouse mm-hmm. that they, they just sort of ride the, the cycle and they see the, the high drumming counts and they say, oh, I'm going to go grouse hunting this year. Well, you can have, you can be in a low year, a low low year for drumming counts, you can have a phenomenal set phenomenal of conditions hatch. over the over the spring and summer and have a hatch and yeah when you get out there in the in the fall the young juvenile birds those are the ones you're going to see and you're going to kill most likely so they mm-hmm. can really make a down year feel awesome they could make an up year feel phenomenal but that that spring spring hatch and brood survival throughout the summer is is critical so to what, are some of the, what are some of the biggest uh concerns weather-wise for the chicks well, cold and wet. Cold and wet, yeah. Cold, cold, temp- yep. cold temperatures not so great. Wet temperatures not so great. Cold and wet combined early in the year can mm-hmm. be devastating. Yep. Um, and again, I'm not a biologist. I've, I've, I'm friends with some rough grouse and woodcock biologists, so I yep. like to think I picked up a thing or two along the way. But um, yeah, cold and wet not good. And we have had we've had a lot of rain. A lot of it has been towards the end of the summer. So you. Mm-hmm. I mean, my optimistic opinion, I want to think, like, those birds are old enough to survive it, but I I think I know a little bit better that, you know, that's not necessarily the case, and we've had a lot yeah. of rain, and it, it may have had an impact. Uh, probably another thing that we should say about the, you know, grouse counts here in the Midwest, but, like, there's, a, no matter whether it's a high year or a low year, there mm-hmm. are always areas that do better than others. So you're yep. always going to have pockets where one guy feels like, yeah, it is the lowest. <laughs> this is the lowest of the low. Yep. And then, and then, you know, his buddy, uh, the next county, the over, county over is, <laughs> thinks it's, thinks it's phenomenal. And we actually saw some of that, you know, again, anecdotally localized. I had a, a lot of people were talking about not seeing any coveys of young birds and, and really not getting into a lot of stuff. Well, I've got a buddy, he went out on opening day and he hunted for two and a half hours Busted up three coveys of young birds, saw like yeah. twenty some twenty some grouse, and yeah. bagged a bunch of them. And it was like, you know, you're always going to have that kind of stuff happen, especially on opening weekend. So, yeah. yeah. So time time will tell. Time will tell. I mean, I don't think we can really. The leaves are the leaves are still mainly up, and the birds are not spread out. So we don't know how it's going to be. But with all that said. If you're if you're hunting grouse in in northern Minnesota or Wisconsin, Michigan, I mean you're you're you got some of the some of the best grouse hunting there is. So even even a bad year here is is uh, is a pretty good year for for a lot of people. So we try not to take that for granted. That's for sure. Yeah, I think it's uh, from what I've seen scouting in central and eastern Montana. Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of young birds and and. And sharp tails and huns, and so I think I think it's going to be a good year if you're coming to Montana. So that's what I'm what I'm feeling. So I'm excited to get out and get after them the next couple of days. But I think if you're heading to Montana, it should be another pretty good year. So it's been a pretty good couple of winters in a row, and uh, we had a really good spring, a little bit dry summer, but uh, but uh, there are lots of grasshoppers and bugs for them to eat. So should have been good. Excellent. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I know we're we're uh, we're getting towards the end of our time here, but I. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's good to talk to somebody from out that way. So so all I've been hearing about is this drought that you that you've had out there, but you're yep. like I mean, talk about that a little bit, but you but it sounds like you're seeing birds. Yeah, you know, I mean there's enough water for the birds so it doesn't affect them as much. Um and, you know, in the summer think from what I've read and stuff. I'm not a biologist either, but they're mostly, you know, on seeds and uh, insect diet anyway, and so there's definitely been lots of grasshoppers and, and bugs around and stuff as well, and we didn't have any bad thunderstorms and hailstorms that sometimes hits us in July and August, and that's something that can wipe out the young birds who will get those big golf ball hailstorms across, oh, yeah. you know, swaths, swaths of eastern Montana and uh really wipe out some areas and fields and stuff. And so we didn't have really any of that this year. A lot of fires, a lot of smoke. So, yeah, we had our, yeah. one of our worst fire seasons ever here in Missoula. I, you know, I'm looking out a mile here, and I can see my, my house up on the hill. And, uh, like, for, like, three weeks, we couldn't see. You couldn't see that hill. So, like, visibility was, like, under a mile. Like, smoke was so thick. So wow. it was really, really not much fun, but uh, that's just part of living in living in country like this is that happens every every couple of years. So yeah, those fires uh, were so bad they uh, yeah. they even spurred you guys to to make a fire layer for Onyx. <laughs> I remember you coming up with that. <laughs> yeah, so we do have uh, yeah for those you know people uh, that hunt in the mountains or the west. You know a lot of elk hunters use it and deer hunters, but we have the. The current wildfires, so all the active wildfires, and that comes from the NC Web uh, website, and so that gets ups- updated daily, which is kind of cool to see where the fires are, where they're advancing, how much acreage they burned each day, and uh, and reports there. And then we have the other layer, uh, more for the scouting side, that's the historic wildfires. So we show all the wildfire locations for the last 15 years across the country, and uh, and those are a tools, you know, mostly focused at that elk or deer hunting, wanting to hunt that fire that's still five or ten years old and, and hunting some of that regrowth. So kind of the same thing, uh, you know, that might be a good layer for uh, for the grouse hunter in the, in the Midwest there is uh, identifying those areas that have been harvested recently with timber cuts or habitat improvements. Yep. And, and yep. you know, you guys probably have a optimal time frame there for when the birds like to use those regrowth areas. So, yeah. Absolutely. Something to yeah. look into. Yep. For sure. All right, cool. Well, before I let you go, Matt, um, anything else you want to tell me and the listeners of uh, the Project Upland podcast about Onyx? You know, maybe something that you, know, you mentioned some things for eighteen. I'm, I'm sure those will those will get released in due time. But anything anything looking ahead or anything we uh, we didn't cover today? Yeah, we got some exciting stuff we're trying to to do with our Save the Map experience for 2018 and. Uh, I think some other neat features that will help uh, help the hunters, whether it's uh, you know a little bit of weather information that uh, might be uh, displayed a little bit differently the way we think about it. And so I think that'll be a pretty useful tool for hunters is getting some more weather integration in there. And uh, yeah, we're just our focus is to keep improving the products, not get too crazy with features. You know, we want to be a tool that you're using in the field and really adds value. Um, I think you hit on one point earlier that was, you know, it's, it saves you time in the field. You don't have to try to guess about where you're at or where you can hunt. You can quickly pull up to a spot and say, yep, I can hunt, and bam, you're 30 seconds later, you're out hunting. You don't have to be figuring stuff out. So that's really our motivation is save you time, give you confidence, and uh, know where you stand. 
Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, I can certainly, uh, I think I've kind of said it over and over again throughout this podcast. I have been a user of uh, Onyx, Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. I subscribed last year, and I'm obviously a subscriber this year. I've been really enjoying it Good. and uh, talked about talked about some of the ways that I use it, bird hunting, and you hit on a few of the ways that you know it can be used sort of you know outside of Minnesota and Wisconsin where I spend most of my time, but um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we touch on a lot of that stuff. And w- where do uh, where should people go if they have questions? What's the best way to What's the best way to get a hold of of somebody there? Or find out more about Onyx. Yeah, so we have our our customer support uh, team here is is made up of uh, you know six or seven individuals, and they do a great job of helping customers decide what they need and answering questions. Um, you can get a hold of them via email at help at onyxmaps.com. The phone number, if you want to call them directly, is 406-540-1600. And uh, for everybody out there, if you haven't used the Onyx uh, Hunt app, uh, you can just simply search Onyx Hunt in your app store on uh, Google or iTunes. And uh, we have a seven-day free trial, no credit card required, so you can test out all the features and everything uh, right in the Hunt app for seven days and see if it's something that uh, you find useful. Excellent, and I will uh, I will throw in one more shameless plug. Whoever you've got <laughs> in the uh, in the customer service department, they're phenomenal. Because I had I had a couple of questions uh, I don't know about a month ago with with my subscriptions and a mm-hmm. couple other things, and and I just shot a quick email. And sometimes you know when you do use a contact form or something, you shoot an email, you don't yep. really know it's like you're going to get oh there's been a case opened up or something. Yeah, uh, it was like it was like <laughs> minutes later, somebody from Onyx with a real name and a real email signature was was email me back and I could have probably picked up the phone and called them if I wanted but <laughs> super helpful so that's great that's, that's good, uh, good to that, hear. yeah that did not go unnoticed by me and and uh, I really appreciate the service that you're providing so uh, all yeah. right Matt well I, I'm gonna let you go I again really thank you for joining us on the project upland podcast hopefully uh, maybe we'll get you on again sometime and talk about all the new stuff that, that you're up to over there and uh, I really enjoyed it, and hopefully the listeners did too. And appreciate you having on. That's uh, Matt Seidel, product manager at Onyx Hunt. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Good luck hunting this weekend. Thanks. You too. Get after it. All right. All right. See ya. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.